Hey, prospectors, fun one for you here. I hopped on Locked on Reds with Jeff Carr to talk about uh, Ellie De La Cruz and the insane week he had last week, as well as some of the other top prospects, Matt McLean, Brandon Williamson. We gave Andrew Abbott some love, made the futures game. We don't talk enough about him. And even discussed the parameters of a Luis Castillo deal with the Dodgers. You'd probably have to get Bobby Miller, I think, in that, right? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, we have got a dearth of prospect talent to get to today. Ellie De La Cruz is killing it. Andrew Abbott is killing it. We've got a bunch of dudes. He's going to the Futures game, by the way. And... We've got some trades to talk about. The MLB draft is coming up. Good Lord, it's an overload. Welcome on in to the Locked On Reds. Locked On MLB Prospects Crossover Edition. Lindsey Crosby is here with me. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Steve will be with me. We'll, we'll recap the post game of, of everything that went on with the Yankees last night. But right now, we're going to be focused on the future because... Let's face it, the day-to-day machinations of the Cincinnati Reds are kind of superfluous at this point. So let's look at who's next. Lindsey Crosby is the absolute right dude to do that with. Because, Lindsey, as we have seen this past week, there's one dude who's going to change this franchise here in a couple of years because he is already doing some crazy stuff down in Dayton. Ellie De La Cruz is an absolute stud. So... Had a week last week, played six games. Listen to this. Eight for 19. So slash line, 421, 500, 1211 OPS. Five home runs, somehow all solo shots. That's kind of weird, but whatever. Five RBI, six runs, three stolen bases. So 20 home runs for the season. And what I love, the, my favorite part about last week was not the five home runs, believe it or not. My favorite part was he struck out three times in the, in the series opener and then only once over the next five games. And so it's just kind of the growth of the plate discipline of L.A. De La Cruz. We talked in the past about how aggressive he was at the plate, and this is something his slash line's gotten better in every single month. He's at over 300 on the season now, has over 20 home runs, and I love that his batting average is the exact same whether batters, uh, runners are on base or the bases are empty. Like, he's just, he's, he's taken to... Dayton, he's killing it. I expect him to get promoted pretty soon, if not by the time this drops tomorrow. Well, he's already setting like season marks for the Dragons when you're talking about some impressive statistics like things like homers and stolen bases and things like that, like names that we haven't heard in a long time in the red system that he's being compared to. But those guys did it in a full season. He's doing it in half a season. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something where... The, the story had been, like, he's got the speed, he's got the arm, he's got power, and he just had to, like, figure out the right offensive approach. He's done all of that. He is, I think he's the number one prospect in the system. I think he probably is deserving of a top 30 spot in all of baseball. And I think he's going, in a few short years, is going to be a, a perennial all-star candidate that is one of those guys you see on the marketing posters. He's that good. 
Yeah, I think I teased today that uh, we were going to just figure out how many MVPs he will win here in the future. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I've seen the updated uh, rankings. They have him at number 50. I think that's too low. I'm with mm-hmm. you, but I'm a little bit biased. But I don't care because he should be way up there because Ellie De La Cruz is awesome. But we are going to give you some updates here on today's crossover Reds and MLB prospects. We started with Ellie De La Cruz because... Let's face it, that's where the Reds' hopes and dreams begin. But I mentioned those updated prospect rankings. There's, uh, I think, probably the top dude for the Reds, Nick Lodolo at 24. I mean, I can't remember exactly how much for pitchers the qualification is to still be a prospect, and I know that that differs based on what website you're looking at. But I'm guessing he's going to graduate from this list pretty quickly. But how does the rest of the list shake out for the Reds? Yeah, so... A lot of of kind of moving parts there. Matt McLean at three is really interesting to me because, and I've talked on the show before about the issue that I had with Matt McLean at three was coming out of UCLA. Uh, it was very very contact oriented. Didn't have a ton of power and didn't look like he could add power to his game. Just the way that his his handset was, the way that his stance was, everything was geared towards sheer contact, no power and. He's somehow gotten that in there. Uh, so he's he, 12 home runs right now, 59 games, slugging of 470. Uh, this is in double A, so 237, 352, 470. And I think that when you watch some of the film, he's adjusted the swing, and he's like been able to, to generate more load with his setup and his handset and where he does everything. Add a little small leg kick in there. And so you can kind of comfortably predict 15 to 20 home runs now as a power ceiling versus before you were looking at 10 to maybe 15 at best. He's yeah. He sacrificed a little bit of contact to do it. He, he struck out 24 times in 29 double a games last year. He struck out 80 times in 59 this year. So he, he sacrificed some contact, but I feel like the trade-offs been good because it makes him just more of a well-rounded player. Uh, I still have some questions about defense. Where is he going to play? Um, second base is his best position. You kind of have a second baseman already. Uh, but he played center field in college at UCLA, and I think that could be an option just to move him around a bit. And it kind of fits that profile of good contact ability, questionable power, uh, but defensively being solid and having good instincts. UCLA noted Big Ten powerhouse school. Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that in there. Um, no, but I'm, I'm looking forward to Matt McLean. I think it's interesting because the Reds, and it's something that I heard yesterday on the radio broadcast for the Reds and Yankees game, is they were talking about Jose Barrero and the fact that AAA pitchers have figured out if you throw him a slider, he can't hit it. And so he's really having a lot to deal with and figure out not only his plate discipline, but also making contact with a pitch that they found a hole in his swing I have confidence that he'll get there it's just that's a little bit concerning seeing that now the problems are no longer health he was dealing with a lot of health problems now that he's healthy he's having that so you see guys like McLean and De La Cruz is still a few years down the road from the majors but it also kind of makes me wonder and this is a little bit of a curveball because I didn't ask you to put this in the rundown but do you see him getting bumped down the pecking order of either shortstop of the future or guy that they rely on in the future at any position. So Barrero is still the best defensive infielder in the system, right? Uh, It's a guy, if you have to, like if if the play has to be made, you want Barrero as the guy. 
Ellie De La Cruz is good defensively. He's got a cannon of an arm. I think that dependent on what his physical development does, he may end up moving to third base. Uh, just kind of the way that his power profile, the way that he should fill out as he puts on a little bit more weight. And part of that depends on what kind of spread you give him there in Dayton after the game. But uh, the thing for Barrero, he is going to move down the rankings a bit. And we've seen it a little bit already. And there's a lot of re-rates will come after the draft once everybody's been joined. But it's, and it's not so much the, the 21 game stint in the majors last year. It's the 40 games in AAA batted under 200. That's the thing where there's an obvious hole. We expect you to have some sort of hole in your swing. We expect you to struggle. The question we're always looking for is how long does it take you to self-diagnose and correct it? And for some reason, he hasn't been able to do it yet. And there's a certain point, and it's different for every website, different for every writer, but there's a certain point where you start thinking, okay, Maybe this is just who he is. And I think as organizations, as the prospect apparatus starts to to make that determination, this is who Jose Barrero is versus he's still trying to fix this, that's when you'll see him start dropping down the list a bit. So I expect a new re-rate to come out from a Baseball America or an MLB, and you'll probably have him instead of number one like you had him last year. You'll probably have him down three, four, five. Part of that's Eloy De La Cruz is a magician. Part of that is he can't hit a slider. So there's a give and take there. Yeah, I'm I'm still hopeful, but I'm kind of tired. And I know that the future is the focus for the Reds this year, but I'm kind of tired of the shortstop of the future tag that we have for Jose Barrera because we've had it for two years now. It's It's mm-hmm. been a while. When does the future become the present, but that's, we'll definitely hash that out more as we come along. There's one other dude that really as, I mean, he's pitched really well for the red legs ever since coming over in the trade, the much maligned trade of the Jesse Winker, a Eugenio Suarez deal, but Brandon Williamson has looked pretty good in his time during the reds farm system. Yeah. So 14 games in double a really liked what I saw and the conventional stats aren't great Four fourteen ERA uh, five and two record. That doesn't matter in, in the minors. But right. 74 to 40 as far as strikeouts to walks. And it's something where it doesn't sound dominant, but it's the way that he's done it. The fastball-curveball combo have looked phenomenal. Uh, the fastball, he's got really good velocity on it. And it has good like late riding life in the zone. So it's And we've, we've talked about that because you have a guy at the big league level who throws incredibly hard, but it's incredibly straight and it gets hit a lot. So... You know, Brandon Williamson, good movement on the fastball. The the curveball is a true twelve to six, which means it helps it it helps against both lefties and righties, and and that's good because the slider and the changeup both aren't quite where they need to be yet. But he's throwing about sixty five percent strikes on the season, a little bit higher than he had done in the past, and didn't give up more than three runs in a single start from April twenty eighth on in Double A, uh, including the month of May. So. Four quality starts in five outings, and the last one he missed a quality start by one inning. 248 ERA in 29 innings, 29 strikeouts to 10 walks, only one home run. So, one, that's what earned him the promotion to to AAA. He's had two starts there. But that tells me that he not only understands the fastball and the curveball and how they play off each other, he's got at least a decent handle on the secondaries, on the slider mostly. And he understands the pitchability, how to use them, when to deploy them. And AAA is the proper level for him. But I feel like this, like next year, spring training, he's going to be contending for the rotation out of spring training. 
I definitely expect that from him, and he's a guy that I think I heard some folks, and maybe this was a little bit overambitious, but they were talking about possibly seeing him later on this year, whether you're looking at August or September. I agree with you. I think that you know if you've still got two pitches that you're working on that you have kind of in your back pocket but you're not necessarily confident in, Totally fine with him working that out at AAA. There is no rush to get him to the big leads whatsoever. Don't start the clock. Right. I, I don't start the clock in this kind of a year. I know that the question has come up about Hunter Green, which that's that's a crazy question to me because I think he was ready, and I don't necessarily know that he would have benefited from more time at AAA, but I also can see where Brandon Williamson will. Yeah. And speaking of Williamson, because we're, we're talking about some good pitching, the Reds have gotten some great performances from Andrew Abbott that have us really excited, and the fact that he is going to the Futures game is looking awesome. We're going to talk about that, and I want to get your take on a, a trade rumor involving Luis Castillo. We're going to do that after I tell you about the best place to find your next shiny thing, whether you're looking for uh, jewelry for the engagement or just to celebrate a special moment, go to BlueNile.com. Lindsay, uh, I don't know about you, but I don't really know a lot about the shiny stuff. I know it's shiny. Uh, <laughs> I know it costs as, a lot of money. Yeah, there's that too. And we can help out with that with a great promo code. But when it comes to picking that stuff out, I really need a lot of help. Blue Nile gives me that help. And plus, they've got all these great customization options to help you make a unique thing. That's one thing that I know about jewelry is that folks who get the jewelry really like the unique stuff. They like knowing that it's theirs and there's not like a bunch of other people around there wearing the same thing. Blue Nile is going to help you out with that. You're going to be able to create the engagement ring of their dreams or... If you're just trying to celebrate a special moment, they've got all kinds of great stuff for that, too. We mentioned helping out with the cost a little bit. Lindsay, what's the promo code that we have for that one? I think it's um, Locked On MLB. Locked On MLB. Locked on MLB. You're going to save $50 off your order of $500 or more, and that's for our Locked On Reds and Locked On MLB Prospects listeners. Again, promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-M-L-B at checkout to save $50 off 500 Blue Nile is going to help you celebrate that special moment with a special piece. Plus, whenever they ship it, by the way, forgot to mention that, it's key because, I mean, how many Amazon packages are coming to your door a day? Yeah, I lost count too. This company is going to send it in a package that's not going to give away what's inside. It's Blue Nile, promo code locked on MLB. Thanks again for making Locked On Reds and Locked On MLB Prospects your first listen. I think I forgot to mention that at the very beginning, so I apologize about that. Thank you for watching, for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed. That way you don't miss anything that Locked On Reds and Locked On MLB Prospects has coming for you. The draft is coming up. Lindsay's a busy dude. He is letting you know everything about that. We're going to get to uh, his take on what we need to, what the Reds need to do in this upcoming draft. But, Lindsay. Andrew Abbott is a guy that's not getting enough pub. Give me some pub. Okay, so here's the thing about Andrew Abbott, and I think the reason he gets underlooked is he doesn't have a plus pitch, right? Uh, he doesn't have any glaringly loud tools, okay? He's, he, he doesn't throw his fastball 100 miles an hour. He doesn't have a slider that starts in one box and ends up in the other. But here's what he does. He's a really good pitcher. 
He's got a fastball, sits 92-93. He can touch 97 with it. It's got some good carry up in the zone. We've talked on my show before about how the fastball up in the zone is the new thing that's in vogue. That and the big horizontal slider. He's got a, a, another 12-6 to six curveball. I've noticed the curveballs in this organization have gotten more vertical. So it must be a focus by the, by the player development staff. But good 12-6 to six above average curveball. Solid curveball. I like it. High 70s. Change up is average to above average. But what Andrew Abbott does is he just takes all three of those pitches and he disguises them really well. So he's, he's started 10 games this year, and he's a guy that the stats, again, don't look phenomenal. 10 games, 4-4 four and four in AA, 6-1-1 ERA. But 17 walks to 59 strikeouts in 45 innings, and he was selected to the Futures game. So the, the prospect apparatus, the evaluators, everybody else understands he's a really good pitcher. He's got that pitch ability. Uh, a, a, a rotation full of Andrew Abbott's will not take you to the World Series, but you won't contend for the division without a couple Andrew Abbott's in your rotation. You need these guys to get you, they're your fours, they're your fives, to get you through the summer, get you through the stretch run, and get you to the postseason. They're reliable, and they're just good pitchers, and that's what Andrew Abbott is, and we just don't give him enough credit for it. You know who I hear you describing to me, honestly? It's Bronson Arroyo. And I'll take Bronson Arroyo every day of the week. I mean, there wasn't, yeah, there was not a single pitch that you're just like, that's the pitch that you got to watch out for. It's just because he pitched every one of them so very solidly. And like you said, the disguising of it was Mm -hmm. so amazing. And he was adept at throwing them from different arm angles and really just deceiving the hitter. And he understands, because we've talked to him multiple times here on the show, he understands the mental side of the game. It's about just being just being a little bit more confident and being a little bit more understanding on the mound that, dude, I'm going to get you out. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're not going to get a hit off me. Yeah, you don't and know I, this. I might not know how yet, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> right. I've got really good control. I've got a couple options. We're going to figure it out together. Exactly. And that, I mean, that's, that's a beautiful thing to hear because that is a perfect dude, especially when you've got guys at the top like Green, Ashcraft and Lodolo, it's a perfect dude to slide in right, right beneath him. And maybe Williamson is up there with him as well. Like, I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be a solid rotation. However, there's somebody that I think the Reds could add. And this was something that I talked about on yesterday's show. I look at a bunch of different rumors. I try to figure out what all is going on, what's true, what's not. And there's a lot of chatter around the Dodgers and the Reds, but you know what? I, I gotta, I gotta throw this in here real quick. I just really want to drop that as much as possible. Anyway, yeah, when I'm looking... You sound great on audio. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the one thing. Like, uh, Well, anyway, um, when you're talking about Luis Castillo to the Dodgers, there's a name that's coming out that really intrigues me because Bobby Miller seems like the kind of guy that you could really slot in at the top of this rotation, and he is a name that is being thrown around in a possible trade for Luis Castillo. 2020 first rounder and the big conversation last year for him uh, honestly was the stuff's all there you just he, he just needs to put it together and show that he can carry this stuff deep into games I think he only had one appearance last year out of 17 games where he pitched more than five innings uh, but 
fastball, four-seamer that can touch 100, sits like 97, 98, has a two-seamer that's in the mid-90s, a lot of like hard sink to it, so kind of distinct movement there. Uh, Four-seamer is a plus-plus pitch. I think the two-seamer is probably a plus pitch. Has a really tight, hard slider. Uh, one of those like inc- like incredibly high spin. It not only breaks horizontally, it also drops as well. So two plane there. A lot of swings and misses off of that. Really tight change up as well. I think that could be plus. I mean, curveball is above average. I mean, he's got five pitches and they're all pretty. They all can swing and miss. They all can miss bats. He can spot them where he needs to. The only real thing that we had to figure out was. Can he get the durability? Can he keep it up in games? Well, we looked as, I, as we were getting ready to record this episode, and I checked, and t- this year, he went from one start of more than six, uh, five innings to most of them are more than five innings, including in the month of July, he's two starts, 11 total innings, zero earned runs, 19 strikeouts to four walks. Um, is that good, Jeff? That sounds real good to me. <laughs> is that something that would be helpful to have in your farm system and in your rotation? I think he's probably a number two with his control being where it is. If he can tighten up the control a little bit, this kid could be a number one for you. And that's the kind of guy like that that really has me excited about this trade deadline season because the Reds are going to be very active. They're going to be very active sellers when you're talking about Luis Castillo, Tyler Maui, guys that they can trade with an extra year of control so they can ask for more in return on top of the expiring contracts for dudes who, whether you're talking about Brandon Jury performing really well or Tommy Pham performing well enough that maybe entice somebody to take them off the red sands, but all in all, it lets me know that the reds are in the right mindset for these trade negotiations. And I tell you what, there there's a couple of more prospects that we want to get a few updates on, including another dude up the middle that this reds farm system seems to have so much talent up the middle and Jose Torres is, is right up there at the top of that list. We want to get into that, but firstly, Lindsay, do you know where to look if you're looking for your next bet, your next great bet? I know exactly where to do that, and that is going to be from our friends at Bet Online. Yes, Bet Online has you covered. Whether you're talking about baseball, as we run through the dog days of summer, we're coming up on the All Star game. I'm not going to lie, I made a little bit of money last year on the Home Run Derby, so keep your eye. I made some money on Pete Alonso. I don't know if he's going to repeat, but we'll take a look at those odds when they come out. Plus, you've got the All-Star Game. You've got all this great stuff coming up. You've got NBA offseason, NFL offseason, which kind of has gone into the dormancy as we get close to uh, training camps and things like that. But you've got tons of NFL futures. I think you can bet on uh, which team is going to win the Super Bowl right now. And mm-hmm. I'm talking about like the point spread on the AFC or NFC. It's, it's hilarious how far ahead you can bet. It's all on Bet Online, And they're going to have all your information. Lindsay, when it comes to the kind of um, information that you're looking for, is it is it more desktop or is it mobile? So it depends on what I'm doing, but the great thing is, is Bet Online has you set up either option. It's both desktop and mobile. Tablet, not sure which one that counts for, but they can handle that too. That's what's great about Bet Online. They have all the information you need for your next great bet. Check them out today. Bet Online is where the game starts. 
Make sure that you're following us on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs if you see my nameplate here on YouTube. You can also follow Lindsey at Crosby Baseball. He's got all the prospect takes, a little bit of Auburn sprinkled in as well. All that great stuff coming for you on Twitter each and every day. And, and Lindsey, uh, real quick, before we jump into some draft strategy talk, I wanted to look at Jose Torres because he is a guy that I watched early on this year in Dayton. Wasn't really sure what we're going to get from him at the bat, but dude looks smooth with a glove. He's another one of those guys that was, you know, could he potentially be the shortstop of the future? And the question was, where is the bat? And going into the season, he didn't help himself. The you know he had a he had a, a bad month to kind of start everything off, and then just picked it up. Two twenty six, two eighty two, three eighty three in high Dayton. You know, high Dayton doesn't blow you up, doesn't blow you away, but nine home runs kind of lifts his ceiling a bit. You kind of feel like ten to fifteen home runs is plausible at the big league level. The gap power is real. Uh, struggled a little bit in June, so the overall numbers don't look great. But approach-wise, he's definitely improved. Always been able to crush a fastball, but he's getting better against spins, specifically sliders. You can see a difference in the beginning of the season to now as far as when he's facing a spinner, what he does with it. And defensively, like you said, he's smooth. He's legit. It's It's funny. He's not the fastest guy in the world. I'd say he's probably fringe to average speed, but he's just he's got a great arm. He's got really good instincts, so his his initial read and reaction is great, and so makes all the plays you need despite not be, being a fast twitch um, um, Fernando Tatis type athlete can still make all the plays. So a guy, the ceiling's definitely raised a bit, the floors come up a bit, and kind of excited to see does he end up being the shortstop of the future. There's a couple options here, and I'm looking at two other guys that you had given me here, and. and- both guys excite me because I keep hearing comps of Adam Dunn. And anytime you invoke the name of Adam Dunn, you really get me excited. And Reese Hines and Alan Serta seem to be trending in that direction. Yeah, so so Reese Hines really struggled to start this year as well. But in May, had an amazing May. Uh, 388 av- batting average, 1146 OPS, brought his strikeouts down below 30%. Um, scuffled a bit in June. And so I think we figured out that he's he's kind of a streaky hitter, but he reminds me a lot of a minor league version of J.D. Davis. Like massive power, big arm there at the corner, but uh, some strikeout issues, a couple defensive limitations. He's not the best athlete in the outfield, but a lot of potential there. And at times you can see where he's figured it out. And so the question is, can you make it consistent? But um, Alan Serta, though, Alan Serta is an on-base machine. Nice. So... He's never finished a year with an on-base percentage lower than 360, which I didn't realize until I was getting ready for this show. I knew he was good. I didn't realize he was that good. He just um, went to double A, uh, but in Dayton, 219, 369, 488, 13 home runs in 62 games. So it's something where, again, the average on its face isn't great, but the overall result, what you're getting out of it and the process to get there is good as far as the home runs. Um Obviously, can get on base plenty, 369 and Dayton, like I said, but uh, has enough power to run one out when he gets a hold of it. 13 home runs in, in high A is, is something where it's not because he was advanced for the level, it's just because he has good power. And I think he has more power than we, than we thought he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fact that you take him, you've moved him to right field, kind of has that good arm. He's slowed down a little bit as he's gotten older, so you move him to right. 
combined with great on-base percentage uh, and the ability to, to, to put some balls over the fence has me excited about, about what Alan Serta can be, especially because we don't have a ton of outfielders in this system that are like locked into starting spots in the outfield once they get up here. It's funny you mention that because I was thinking when we look at this draft and, and, and when we look at trades for the Reds this trade deadline season, I kind of want them to look at outfielders because I look at the guys who are coming up and they all have a lot of risk attached to them. And, and I'm even including like Michael Ciani in here, which seems to have had a, he seemed to have had a bit of a renaissance whenever he hit double A at the batter at the batter's box. But overall, I'm just not like overly wowed with what's coming up through the system. And I think that that's something that the Reds could kind of revamp a little bit. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's kind of tricky. And when you're going into the draft with this and kind of with that mindset, you're in a weird place drafting 18th because you're, you're kind of in between some of the areas. You're, you're too high for some of those big prep names, your Elijah Greens, your, your uh, Tamar Johnson, things like that. But also, you're a little bit early to start taking some of the college bats, some of the outfielders that are out there. And I, I think the more that I sit on it, the more I think about it, I think that the choice at 18 is either going to be um, a pitcher uh, probably a college pitcher, yeah. or it's going to be the start of that run of college bats that goes in the 20s. Because we've been talking for weeks now about the expectation is you've got like seven or eight different college outfielders, and they could all go somewhere from 20 to 35. And we kind of assumed that the Braves would probably pick a pitcher or something at 20, and then 21 is when that run would start. But there's not a reason why the Reds can't come in at 18 and say, hey, we're going to be the first ones to take uh, a college bat, we can pick the outfielder we like the most. Maybe it's a Chase DeLouder from James Madison. Maybe we want, um, you know, I mean, Brock Jones from Stanford. Like, we can pick which one our models like because we're the first ones to kind of crack that, that, uh, that crack the seal on that run of college bats there. I am intrigued with that because I know 18, I mean, it's really hard to predict what's going to be there. So I'm with you. That might be an interesting spot to kind of reach a little bit. Um, when, when I think about the draft strategy for the Reds, I, I almost kind of want them to be a little bit lower risk, maybe, you know, lower ceiling, but also mm -hmm. like higher floor guys. Is that too much to ask where they are in the first round? I think that makes sense, and that kind of leans to how they've drafted recently. If you go back and you look at some of the guys that they've taken, a uh, Jonathan Indy in 2018, and Nick Lodolo in 2019, like it's guys that they kind of lean upside, and they don't have the highest ceiling, but they don't have the lowest floor. Like it's it's a little bit of a safer pick, a little less controversial of a pick. So that's why I kind of think the college bat ends up being the choice simply because you can plug them all into your models. You can look and see who has the traits we like. Um, but it's somebody where you've got three years of advanced data on them. You know, they're, they're track manned in college. They've got all of the, the advanced stats. You can kind of see every single thing about them and you have better confidence to predict how they're going to do versus reaching for a prep arm or, or a prep bat at 18 and then trying to figure out what's going to happen as this kid just finished puberty is growing up in your system. So right. I think it's probably going to end up being something like, uh, you know, Spencer Jones from Vanderbilt, Jordan Beck from Tennessee. You're going to see one of those big program, um, big name college outfielders because you've got so much data and so much confidence in what they're going to be.
Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do because this kind of needs to start their focus on the next wave. I feel like they've got a lot of guys, and I think that the trades that they bring in will will kind of bolster the 2024 plan, but they probably need to start working on like the 2026 plan and, and stuff like that, and I believe that's kind of where they start with this draft. Lindsay, I thank you so much for uh, getting to talk about Red's prospects and and Red's draft strategy and getting to do this crossover with us here today. Uh, what more? I know that with the draft coming up, there's a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline. MOB prospects, what can folks expect from you? Uh, we are doing our final draft preview on on Saturday. We're, we're dropping a bonus pod for the second straight week where we're going through last minute news that we've gotten on the draft. We've gotten on where guys are going to go. We're going to go live on Sunday during day one of the draft. We're going to recap the first and second rounds. It'll be me and Jeff Ellis from Locked On Guardians. And then obviously all of next week, every night we'll give you guys to watch for the next day. And then we're going to be evaluating these drafts, tracking the signings, and also pivoting towards the trade deadline, which is two weeks after the draft this year. Uh, everybody loves all of this action at once, except for MLB front offices and people like me. So <laughs> great time <laughs> right. of the year right now, though. We love it. I, I know that with the draft coming up, there is no better way to get your daily fix than locked on MLB prospects. He's going to have you covered every single day. And plus with the trade deadline going on, we're going to be all over it. The reds are going to be sellers. I'm saying that until I'm proven wrong. And I'm like a hundred percent sure I'm getting proven right. So that's going to be happening every day here on locked on reds. Make sure that you subscribe to both of our podcasts here today. Thanks for making us your first listen. We'll talk to every single one of you tomorrow. Mm -hmm.